The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal that gives you more speed and control over the process. You can now disclose, lock, and manage your loan seamlessly from start to finish, all in one place. It's another reason why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is Division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Young adults are backing out of their purchase contracts because they're scared about buying a home in the current market. So how do you guide them to closing a home with confidence? Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. Today, you're about to hear a conversation with staff writer Sarah Woolock and Samir Dedia, co-founder and CEO of Lemon Brew. The first one is, um, I know you are not necessarily a broker anymore. You're the CEO of your company. Yeah, I don't really originate much, but yeah. (laughs) Well, I didn't know if you could speak on any, um, you know, trends or buying habits that you see amongst uh, younger buyers. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, from what we're seeing with younger buyers, I, I think it's hard for them who have zero experience in buying, right? That's one challenge I see. And a lot of times they're relying on their parents or relatives who have bought probably 20, 30 years ago and kind of comparing what they should be doing versus not doing. For example, oh, you should only buy a house if you have 20% down, or maybe your debt to income ratio should be 32%, right? Even though Fannie and Freddie can go up to 50 or there's other options with 3% down on conventional. Um, I hear norms of, FHA, like PMI is only for FHA. Like you can't get it for conventional. I don't want to go FHA because FHA PMI is too high. I have good credit. I'll wait. So a lot of what I'm seeing right now is a little bit of just like lack of knowledge and education on mortgage in particular. That's the biggest piece of home buying. And I think a lot of it too is is the process, right? So I think they get into it. They get psyched out by the media. Um, they get nervous by the media, right? And I think then they get, they say, oh, let me just back out right now, right? And I think I'll just wait for all, I hear this a lot, Sarah, like I'll wait for the prices to go down to, I'll wait, I'll wait for rates to go back down to 3%. But if rates go back down to 3%, there's going to be less, like you're going to end up getting back into a bidding war possibly situation based on like, it being cheaper, right? And, and as it is in general, there's with millennial buyers, I think what they don't understand is that there is a lot more uh, buyers than inventory. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, even with rates going down. Um, I, I just think that there's only limited space, right? And limited homes and, and et cetera, and where people want to live. So I think there's a culmination, a combination of a lot of things. But the biggest thing I attribute why I think some of them keep backing out is like the lack of education and knowledge. Um, I'll give you a quick example if you're gonna, if, you, if you'll let me show you something that we posted yesterday on Facebook, and it's almost like oh, at Lemon Brew, I like to go against the conventional norm, not just to go against it, but I feel like the conventional norm is like outdated, and a lot of the logic doesn't apply to 2022. But I'll give you a quick example here. I'll just share my screen of what we posted. Yeah, you can take a look too. Yeah, go um, for it. I don't know if you have Facebook, but oh, uh, can you enable me to uh, to share? Um, yeah, I'm going to do more. Allow. Does that work? 
I'm thinking, yep, yep. Perfect. So, and this is like something that we put together yesterday, right? This post. And it's really kind of like what they say versus what we say, right? Mm -hmm. We have it on LinkedIn as well and everything. But like, you'll see here, like, for example, um, everybody's like, no, put more down payment or, you know, pay points or, you know, don't use the home in your equity if rates are at 6% to pay off credit card debt or whatever, right? For example. And like, this is kind of like a cool little play of what we did, like them versus us. And, and this is kind of like really, I mean, I tell people all the time, like even clients today, why are you looking for a cheaper rate? Go with a little bit of a higher rate. And for example, I never try and sell rate, Sarah, I try and sell monthly payment, right? For us, that's what you're budgeting with. If I tell you it's 600,000 at 6%, and you're like, oh, that's too high. But then I say, hey, can you afford a payment of $4,000? You say, yes. It doesn't matter what the rate is, right? So stuff like that is kind of like what we do. You know, put less down, conserve cash up front. I think it's an important thing to kind of focus on today. You can always prepay extra and pay it down with PMI. And then also this is for refinancing, so not necessarily home buying. But this is kind of like how, I, how we see it. You know, and I think that's kind of like from an education, like our stance is educating the consumer, especially for home buying, especially younger people, because they just hear so much from their older relatives and family. Right. So it looks like there's a lot of misinformation, especially for these this younger generation, which makes sense because when their parents bought, it was a different world, different times, different, yep. money, like different wages. Yeah. 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 So a lot of what is happening is because of this information and because of either not having enough money or not trusting the rates, a lot of um, mortgage contracts are being backing out of. Yep. So how do you think that, you know, brokers can avoid this in the process? Avoid yeah, I think it's, I look, it, I tell people all the time, it's, it's almost like, I tell this to my loan officers, I'm like, I don't know if you've watched the movie Eight Mile with Eminem, but there's that last scene where he's battling, I forgot the guy's name now, and he was already thinking about everything that he was going to say against Eminem. And Eminem went right after him. Yeah, I know you're going to say this. I know you're going to say that. So when I can really connect with clients, it is taking the time to, from a mortgage perspective, like when I rally around with people or, or loan officers, like, it, this isn't 2020 and 2021 where the you're, you're not selling. The rates are just coming. The rates are causing this influx. This is a time to really educate the consumer and spend that extra time to understand what their goals are, what their budget is, kind of walking them off the ledge, right? Some of them freak out immediately. Oh, my God, the rates, the rates, the rates. And a lot of times, it, being, I've been in this industry, Sarah, since 2004, right? So I was there in 07, 08, front and center, watching this shit show happen with rates going sky high and people freaking out. Now it's a little bit different because a lot of fraud that happened back then, but now it's, it's more economical and more COVID related. But in general, what they what what loan officers need to really focus on is number one, positivity, number two, education, right? Those are the two things I think are missing where everyone, I've seen it even with some of our team members, LOs fall into the same trap. If a client comes in saying, oh, I'm shopping for rates and I'm getting rates of this, some of our LOs immediately go in for the kill. But at the end of it all, it's really kind of making the client understand. Do you understand what 6% means, right? I, I give it, I'll give you a quick example, Sarah. I was talking to a client about a year ago and she called me a previous client saying, hey, you know, I still talk to a lot of our clients. <clears throat> and she's like, hey, the rates are too high. Rates are too high. I don't think I want to buy a home right now. I'm like, oh, okay, like what's too high? 
And she's like, no, like now, you know, it was, I was looking at three and a half at that time, went to four and a half or five at the time. I'm like, oh, it's like, that's too high. I don't want to buy a house right now. I'm like, okay, cool. So I was like, if I, if I told you the monthly payment was $3,600, for example, is that a reasonable payment for you? Oh yeah, that's fine. I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, imagine this. I was like, I could have played a little game and said, hey, the rate's 2%, monthly payment's 3,500, remove that, it's really 6%, 3,500, you still would have been comfortable with it. So a lot of it is psychological, uh, I think. And from a loan officer mortgage perspective, what we need to really focus on is really focusing on education. This isn't the time for a, hey, two-minute conversation with a client, okay, the rate's too high, rate's too low, oh yeah, rates are too high. No, this is the time to really educate them on why it's a good time. I still actually believe this is a great time to, to buy a home. And people think I'm nuts, but I'm like, if you really think about it, inventory is going to be a problem for a long, long time, right? And we say this in our in our company, like, this is your forever home, not your forever loan. So like, the, you're not going to keep this loan forever. There's going to be opportunities to refinance in the future. So focus about like, okay, yes, you want to make sure you're in budget today. I get all of that. And if you're not, you shouldn't be buying a home. But if it's within your budget and your fear is rates are too high, but the budget's okay today, remember that you're going to have opportunities probably to refi soon. These are the highest rates that we've seen since 2008, I think it is. They're not going to last. The the U.S. economy can't last with this influx of rates staying at a high level for a longer period of time. It will hurt the economy, which is what the fears are today of recession, et cetera. So they have to come down. But I, I think the biggest thing is to really focus on like, Yes, today is is what it is today, but what does the future look like, you know? And for, you know, those who are don't know where to begin in the housing market, like say somebody my age and whatever, what would you give advice to them, you know, for the first step for taking um, in the housing process? Yeah, the first step is really, in my opinion, looking at your budget. Um how much can you look? I, I believe in having reserves and savings, right? I, I don't I don't think you anyone regardless of the economy, should be kind of just running paycheck to paycheck, right? So you obviously want to have X amount of dollars saved, put, saved away. I used to tell people all the time, if you have one year of savings, you're in good shape, right? So I think if you have the one year of savings or whatever it is, that's fine. Next step is, great, how much can I afford from a month-to-month perspective, right? If I were to have, if you're married or have a, a, another partner, okay, is it one income or two? If the one income goes away for whatever reason, right, because there's fear of job loss today and all those things, would I still be okay, right? I think, so to me, budgeting is the most important. It, it's all it's all really around budgeting in general, right? Because again, if you're cool with everything today and your payment is reasonable and you're okay and you're prepared and et cetera, you're gonna be fine because that that's, that's the biggest play, right? Like the interest rates going up mean nothing if you don't know what the monthly payment is. When you go buy a car or finance a car, no one really talks about the rate. They talk about the monthly payment because that's what you budget for. You budget for the payment, not for the rate. So that's the one thing that I would tell people is like, that's where you want to budget. Like, right? Like we're all, most millennials are very smart, access to the internet information online, which is great. But remember, there's a lot of misinformation out there and things that maybe applied 20 years ago. They don't apply today. And very simple what are, you, what are you comfortable with from a monthly payment perspective, right? And then that's your number. From there, you go backwards. Okay, how much can I afford as a down payment, right? Maybe it's 10000 maybe it's 15000 maybe it's twenty or thirty. Who knows? Like, okay, if paying out X amount of dollars, how much will I still have in savings, right? And then you obviously have to account for how much the monthly payment 
is for the mortgage taxes and insurance, but I think some people miss how much utilities would cost, right? How much uh, cable or whatever they have. I mean, it's all different nowadays, but in general, to me, budgeting is number one, right? I think that's the piece that people have to think about where I think people don't. And I think they have to really kind of balance that budget and understand what the payment payments will be, not focus so much on the rate. Oh, that made sense, but yeah, that definitely made sense. Don't miss the largest regional um, mortgage show in the nation. The New England you know, Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January twelfth um, and thirteenth. See us at www.anymortgageexpo.com. Start your year so with the best connections in the industry, um, dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success right is written yeah, every so hour. www.anymortgageexpo.com. Um, inspection issues pop up, right? Where, and, and again, I'm not boots on the ground with real estate agents, but I am hearing that some people are backing out, even going through the application, backing out because of inspection issues. The other area I hear is job security, right? Like, okay, like, well, I have a job in a year, six months, eight months. I don't know. Maybe right now is not the right time to buy, right? I think these are all valid concerns. I don't like, I don't think, I don't diminish any of them. And honestly, everyone has to make their own educated guess on where they feel. But if you have, back to what I was saying, reserves, right? And you have a budget of where you want to be, that, that kind of helps you put things in perspective to see if it makes sense, if you have these fears, right? I think, again, I think the fears are valid. I think, look, there's a lot of doom and gloom, unfortunately, uh, right now in the economy. I think those things will continue. I still feel if you can afford it and you're comfortable with payments and all of those things are good, I think this is the best time to buy. Because, look, it, we've gone into a market very quickly from a seller's market where I remember last year people were paying – 10%, 15% above ask, right? Some people are putting cash offers. I remember the lines out the door for open houses. It was it was an absurd. I've been down this road. I remember all these things from this uh, 2005, six timeframe where the same things were happening. And eventually what happened? Boom, it went away. Why? Because the Fed decided to raise rates, which I think they needed to. And then that spoofed everybody off, right? I think in my opinion, the housing market was out of control, right? Um, look, even our industry, you had loan officers coming in thinking of the best thing ever, right? And all they were doing was selling what rates were in stock. That's all they were doing. Um, you had real estate agents doing the same thing. And I think this market is good for the industry, honestly, because it's weeding out a lot of people who shouldn't have been there, right? The people who are maybe not really educating those clients the way they should be. From a client perspective, this is an amazing time, I think, to buy if you can afford it and everything's all good. But it's amazing because the buyers are in control right now, right? You're, like last year, if you bought a house for $600,000 or if that was a list price, you probably paid six sixty. dollars Six seven, whatever the number was, and then so that's six, that's seventy thousand dollars cash out of your hand, gone, right? It's a goodwill to a to a seller, right? That money's gone, and and the rate was three percent. So everyone's like, oh yeah, it's fine, it's all great. Now the rate's six percent. Okay, the rate's six percent, but that six hundred thousand dollar house that's listed, you're probably going to be able to get it for five seventy five, five eighty without having to dish out all that cash. So now you've got a little bit of a deal, and if it's six percent, your monthly payment last year versus this year probably isn't all that different. It's probably off by a couple hundred bucks, maybe a hundred bucks, whatever it might be, because you didn't pay that 70,000 above and you didn't end up, and you wait, by the way, you waived everything, right? You just waived every contingency available to you to protect you. You waived it and you paid $70,000 more in cash. So I think those things were ridiculous. I, everybody, you know, did it. It was short lived, honestly speaking. It's only a year or so, but I think now is the time for a buyer to really have control right? To make sure they're finding the right house, making sure that they're, this is the house of their dreams. And if this is a house that you love, honestly, 
a few books here and there aren't going to break the bank, in my opinion, right? You can even be within budget, but don't worry about the rates. Worry about affordability. Affordability, the rate is just a like a product of your payment, right? It's just a piece of it. And I think there's a lot of creative products coming out there even today. Uh, you know, for example, there's a two-one buy down. I don't know if people have heard, but instead of having like you're in a, you're in a, you're in the driver's seat right now, where if you wanted to, you can basically go with the product which lenders are offering. Where as long as there's a seller credit, right? So let's say the house is six hundred thousand dollars, and the seller is going to give you ten thousand dollars towards closing costs, for example, right? There's products out there called the two-one buy down, and what that means, Sarah, is let's say the market rate today is six percent, you could have a step. To 6%. So maybe in year one, your rate is 4%. Year two, your rate is 5%. And year three going forward is 6%. And you're paying an upfront fee for that. Now, technically, you can't pay for it. The seller has to give you a credit for that, right? Or part of it or all of it. But there's there's products out there that are, that are helping people with affordability, which is the key today, um, which is, is going to help you. So there's a lot of different products. And I tell everyone, like, there's not just one rate, right? And, and at Lemon Brew, I tell everyone, I don't want to hear the word rate out of your mouth. Like, I don't like the word interest rate. I think it's dirty, right? I don't like it. I use the word options, right? So every product has like 15 or 16 different rate options. And we educate our clients. Like it's, it's whatever suits you, right? Whatever works for you in this range. Hey, if you want to pay points, okay, I don't advise it. Go for it. But if you want to go the other direction, which we're advising a lot of our clients, Take a little bit of a higher rate, get a lender credit to offset your closing costs or reduce them or wipe them out completely. And then you're probably going to end up refining a year anyway, right? Where rates will come back down. So those are the ways you kind of conserve cash. So even if you look at that post whenever on like Facebook or LinkedIn, but you'll see like I'm big on conserving cash, right? So there's a lot of creative ways today to conserve cash in your pocket when in a, in a scary time where people are you know, perhaps scared. Conserve that cash still accomplish your goals of buying a home. You're getting it at a discount. Although the rates are higher, who cares? Because as long as the payment's in line with where you are, it's affordable. And by the way, you're probably going to refine a year, year and a half, maybe two, whatever it is, and reduce your payments completely anyway. Um, that's You have such great advice. Um, the last question I have is that, um, you know, I've been getting a lot of reports on a recession looming. People don't want to call it a recession. Now people do want to call it a recession. Do you have any uh, predictions for what this recession might have as an impact on younger buyers trying to enter the market? Yep. No, it's a great question. I, I don't have a crystal ball, unfortunately, right? <laughs> you kind of hope for the best. And, and we've seen recessions in the past and everybody does eventually get through it. I don't think we're going to be in a recession like 2008 or nine or whatever those years were. I do think there's a slight, I actually think we're in a little bit of a recession right now, quite honestly. I think we're here. Um, and what, you know, in talking to people in the market, in, in the equity market, in the bond market, like just traders and other people that I know, a lot of them feel that we are at the peak of where the bad news bears is, right? Like we're, we're kind of there already. Um, you know, look, I think we're going to see a little bit of a slowdown, a little bit of a kind of how we talk about budgeting, where companies are going to kind of scale back on expenses until they have a handle. But I do feel like it, it, I don't want to call it, I mean, it is, I guess it's a recession. I mean, who knows? It's a downturn in the market, whatever you want to call it. I think we're going to be here for a little bit. I don't think we're going to see dips. I think we're going to see a little bit of like stagnation where it just kind of levels and then it'll start to pick back up slowly. But um, the, the impact obviously is on the labor market, right? I don't think 
interest rates going up another quarter percent are going to change things drastically from a spend perspective, right? Um, I do think the bigger fear is job loss and where people will be in in, in the workforce, which is a real thing. Um, you know, again, I think it goes back to just being prepared, right? I think these are all temporary hiccups, which happens in any cycle of any economy, right? It happens all the time. Um, just got to be prepared from an from a savings perspective. I think that's where some of our younger generations don't focus. I don't they don't teach a lot of savings. Um, I, you know, I look at I look at credit card like we have clients who do cash out refis and stuff like that. I look at some of the credit card debt. People are overextended, right? People got really excited during COVID, and I think. I believe in the law of nature and sometimes mother nature kicks us in the ass when we need to. I feel a little similar here where I think everyone was riding on their high horse. COVID happened really bad time, but people were kind of just kind of having some you know fun with spending because they weren't spending in other places. And I think that habit continued. So look, this is one thing this teaches our younger generation and the people at large. Saving is important, right? I think you have to have a year, year and a half of savings, right? Knowing exactly what your budget is for the month, for the year. Um, you know, a little funny tidbit, Sarah, when I was like getting into the business, my dad told me a long time ago, he's like, you know, one thing he told me was great advice. Do not, um, he, he told me something was, it was something about, like, don't do what you do because of money, right? He's like, just enjoy what you do and the money will come, which is great. But the other advice he gave me, he's like, your income fluctuates, right? And Always remember that. So you need to make sure you have a certain amount of money stored away, but manage your expenses daily, right? So I used to have a spreadsheet. This sounds really nerdy. And I didn't use the QuickBooks of the times. And this is going back 2004 or five when I entered the business. I had a spreadsheet. People thought I was out of my mind, um, including my wife. And it was literally a spreadsheet with the left side would show each day, like, you know, 10, one, 10, two, 10, three, all the way down. And then I had columns for categories, fuel, entertainment, meals, um, gas, electric car, whatever it was, mortgage, taxes. And I would, every time, even if I spent five bucks, I put it in my spreadsheet, right? And what that did psychologically for me was I was seeing it. Cause when you see things like, like you don't, you it really hits home, right? If you don't see things, you end up kind of not really realizing it. When you see it every single day, entering an expense or entering whatever, and you're seeing the totals pile up every single month, and then you do a grand total at the end of the year, you really start to see what your expenses are. Now, look, there's cool little apps out there today that you can do that, right? But I was old school, and that's what I did. And honestly, that kind of put things in perspective for me where I was like always my number one was always like, I like to have fun. I like to spend money. I like to enjoy. But I always made sure that I had X amount put away in case bad times happen, right? And I think this is the time where I think younger millennial consumers can do themselves a really good service by getting into habits of honestly understanding their their their, their P&L, right? What comes in, what goes out and having a better handle on that, which will help them obviously down the road in the future when they're buying homes and just transacting in general, raising a family. So. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with the rest of your headlines. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to sign up. PennyMac TPO is Division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here's your headlines for today, November 21st. The NBA says that independent mortgage bankers reported a net loss of $624 on each loan they originated in the third quarter. 
That's almost eight times the $82 per loan loss recorded in the second quarter. An official with the NBA called the numbers sobering. Fannie Mae's Economic and Strategic Group says that the economy will shrink in the fourth quarter, making growth for the year flat. This despite GDP rebounding at an annualized rate of 2.6% in the previous quarter. So what does this mean for the housing market? Fannie Mae's economists are predicting nearly $5.7 million in single-family home sales by the end of this year, but that will drop to $4.4 million next year. The ESR Group does forecast home sales to jump back to $5.25 million in 2024. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.